0: This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Welcome to today's bonus episode of the podcast. Usually, it centers around the Great White Way, but today we are traveling to a place just a short subway ride from there, Marie's Crisis. Marie's Crisis is a bar located within the West Village, which epitomizes a deep love for show tunes, music, community, and fun. Marie's, like every other place, has had to transfer to virtual entertainment, and they have been doing an absolutely stellar job of keeping the feeling alive online. Today, I get to talk to many of the pianists, bartenders, and other people who fill different roles at Marie's. I hope this episode inspires you to listen, give money, and that it gives you a clear picture of the unique kind of fun Marie's can provide. Let's start by having our seven guests today introduce themselves.
1: My name is Jim Marillat, and I am the Tuesday Happy Hour Pianist at Maurice Crisis. Sure, Charles. So my name is Dan Daly, and I
2: am the, uh, the regular pianist at Maurice Crisis uh, on Sunday
3: nights from 10.30 till 3 a.m. I'm Alex Barilski, and I'm the Happy Hour Pianist. Monday and Thursday.
4: Uh, I am Doug Thompson, and I
5: am a bartender at Marie's. I do uh, Kenny M. Green, pianist and public relations.
6: My name is Maddie McClavsky, and I am a singing server, and I run the social media for Marie's group, Online Marie's Crisis.
7: My name's Drew Watke and I am the Wednesday night uh, ringleader of our little <laughs> circus in the basement at Marie's.
0: So how did you get your start working at Marie's?
3: Well, um, I first started going to Marie's back around 2002. Uh, One evening I was walking with a friend from college in the West Village, and a friend of hers suggested we go to Marie's Crisis. And we walked in, and I'll always remember, uh, Dexter, the then weekend pianist, was playing company. And I thought that was just terrific. But I wasn't a musician at the time, I was actually a lawyer. So I would just, you know, drop in, to Marie's after work and on the weekends. Um, well, um, later on uh, the then happy hour pianist, Jim Allen um, when he found out that I played the piano would let me fill in for him while he was on his breaks. So uh, one thing led to another and, um, and the then manager, Chris Morrison um, asked if I would like to fill in for a shift. And, uh, and then when a shift came open, uh, I got it full time and then I got a second shift and, uh, and here I am. But since I had always started, since I started going to Breeze as a patron, my attitude was always like, you know, I want my shift to be like the kind of shift that I would have wanted to go to when I was on the other side of the piano.
2: Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so I had just moved back from Florida uh, I was playing down there and I was working with the cruise lines. And when I came back to New York, uh, someone had um, introduced me to a place called Rose's Turn. And uh, Rose's Turn was two doors down from Marie's Crisis. And um, I was playing at Rose's Turn. And after I finished, I was doing the early, uh, like the uh, earlier year shift. Um, the bartender from Maurice came running over to Rosa's turn and he he said we need a piano player fast our piano player didn't show up so um i looked at him and i said i'll do it for you so i went over and i was on a sunday night sunday evening and i played and then he asked me to come back the next week and here we are 18 years later i'm still there on sundays
1: <laughs> oh well that's an interesting question um So I am the newest pianist there. I've been there the least amount of time of of all the other pianists who are regular pianists there. Um, However, I was probably going into Marie's um, before half of them were even born. So (laughs) I moved to New York in 1981 and I was 22 years old and it was the 23rd move I made in my life. And um and I for the first 15 years I lived uh I don't know how well you know New York but I lived in uh, Soho which is just south of Greenwich Village and um and I discovered Marie's I'd actually discovered it before that my brother had taken me in there before I moved because he lived in New York um although r- although the year before I moved to New York he moved to San Francisco so we were never in New York at the same time anyway he took me into Marie's and I pretty much became a regular that's where I would hang out and I did that for those 15 years. So from about, you know, the time I was, you know, 23 to I don't know, 37, right? Almost 40. And then, um, and then I moved out of that neighborhood. And so I just didn't get there as often as I probably would have liked to, but I was on the Upper East Side and it just, that wasn't happening. And then I moved over to Hell's Kitchen and still wasn't happening. But at some point I did a, um, I did a, a production of Company down at the Lucille Lortel Theater. I played Harry, and the uh, one of the guys in it who played um, Paul um, became a friend of mine. I became friends with several of these people, and we're still close friends today. His name is Randy Taylor, and he actually manages Maries. And you know, and we knew each other. Then we knew each other for years, and at some point. Like, I always thought it would be fun to do that, but I also had a career. I worked for Music Theater International and um, ran, you know, sort of founded and ran the marketing and promotion department there. And, um, but after I after I left there, I was like going, oh, I don't know what, you know, I didn't really want to do much. I guess I was lazy. Um, but at some point I said to Randy, I said, do you think, like, cause he knew I played the piano, right? And he knew, you know, how charming I am, uh, effortlessly. So, and so, <laughs> and so, so I said, I said to Randy, I think I said, do you, you know, do you think I could ever do that or whatever? And he's like, would you want to do that? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm, I think that might be fun, you know? And so, um, so I started filling in when people were off and I guess the feedback was good enough that when, uh, a shift opened up, uh, he offered it to me. So, so, and then I, so I have one shift a week. It's a little teeny shift on Tuesdays uh, for happy hour, but I've got a, a sort of a, uh, a good group of regulars who enjoy requesting really weird and, uh, and I like sort of like the more musical theaters way. Anyway. So for happy hour, like if I fill in on a late night and it's a packed place, I pretty much, you know, I can't play something from, you know, Flahoolie. I've got you know what i mean or or uh i've, I've got to be playing sort of big hits which is easy and fun to do but it's also kind of nice on a tuesday when it's just me and maybe four or five or ten other people in the bar to you know play you know things from whatever you know the grand tour or you know dear world or things that i don't know why i just named two jerry herman musicals but <laughs> but that was that and so um um and uh and I re- you know I really enjoy it. I don't live in the city anymore, so uh so for me to get to the city, it's about an hour to drive in but um but totally worth it like I you know I just really enjoy doing it, and it's why I don't play too many late nights because the bar is open till four in the morning, and you know any sane person is in bed by four in the morning, right yeah. so <laughs> So um, so I have played a few late shifts when people are out, but for me to drive home at four in the morning just means, you know, the next day is a sleep day, right? Yeah. So that answer the question even? I don't know.
7: <laughs> yep. So um, my friend Dana was one of the singing waitresses. She told me, hey, there's this spot opening up Uh, at Marie's, I think that you should uh, come try for it. Now, I had never really been to Marie's before, and that uh, I had been maybe three times my whole life because I was playing across the street at the Duplex, which was another piano bar. And um, so from there, I sort of started remembering that I knew other people who played at Marie's, Michael James Roy and Brandon James Gwynn. We had all played for a show across the street called Mostly Sondheim at the duplex. So I'd been doing that for about for over a year at the time, and that was on Friday nights, and it was a late-night show across the street uh, at the duplex. So it was pretty easy to imagine just walking catty-cornered across Sheridan Square, yeah. um, across the street, across 6th Avenue, to play in the basement. And uh, they had a new pianist that opened up, they asked me if I would come do a night um, a few weeks later. I They said, will you come in and play for an hour? I said, okay. And then it ended up being that the person they had to schedule to play that night couldn't play at all. So like, can you play a whole shift?
8: Oh. So I did
7: a whole shift. And then after that, I think it was like a Thursday, a Tuesday or Thursday night, they asked me if I'd take Wednesdays and I've had Wednesdays ever
5: since. Well, I got my start at Marie's Crisis by, um... I, I had been working at a restaurant in New Jersey, and I left the restaurant um, as a waiter, and I was actually job hunting, and I would never been to Marie's Crisis before, and I'd been looking for jobs all day long, and I got really tired, and around nine o'clock at night, I think, maybe later, it was a Sunday night, I found Marie's Crisis on accident. I'd never heard of it before. I'd never been there. And I walked in and I sat down and I ordered a glass of wine and Maggie Worth was the manager and the waitress at the time. And she asked me why I was by myself and I told her what, how my day had been. And she said, well, why don't you sing a song? So I sang a solo with Dan Daly and I was finished. And she offered me a free glass of wine and asked me if I'd ever bartended before. They're looking for bartenders. And I said, yes, which I had. And the rest, as they say, is history. She um, hired me. I had training the week, a week later, but I never told anyone that I could play the piano. No one knew. Uh-huh. And for two years, I was the bartender and a singing waiter. And one of our pianists moved away and Adam Tilford told Maggie, you know Kenny plays the piano, right? And that's how I became a piano player.
0: So what have been some memorable nights at Marie's in person?
5: Most memorable nights
1: at Marie's. Well, one of my favorite things. So normally on my shift, because generally I play from, what do I play from? I'm going to say five to nine thirty. So the early part of the evening, I can play more obscure things and, and the requests are more obscure. But then as I get into that, that last hour and the bar is crowded, um, I start to, you know, really roll into regular things, right? Which, you know, can start out as Rogers and Hammerstein, uh, then goes into, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, Phantom Joseph, and then at some point it's Les Mis. And I was ending for a long time with Defying Gravity from Wicked because that was just, whatever. Little Shop of Horrors is in that clump. So I tried to like hear my evening. If people make those requests early in the evening, I usually say, hang around, because believe me, we'll be playing them, right? And I don't like playing a song twice in a night. So, yeah. so, and usually people hang around. You know, if you're there, you're kind of there, right? And so, um, uh, and so one night, this, uh, it, it got pretty crowded. And there was a woman there and, uh, you know, we play for tips and I, you know, I don't, I don't make someone tip to take, to take a request. I just like playing what people want to hear, but, but someone was seated at the bar and she was a couple deep past the edge of the piano. They were seated at the bar right around the piano and, uh, and one of my regulars. says, Jim, she's you know she has a request and it's you know it's a big tip. It was like a twenty dollar bill. That's a big tip, and uh, and I said oh, and I was like oh, I'm just heading it. You know she's gonna ask for something weird, and I was just heading into all, uh, you know I was just getting ready to play. You know I dreamed a dream from Les Mis, and uh, and I'm like okay, it's like okay, what would you like? And she goes, could you play I dreamed a dream from Les Mis? And I was kind of like, oh, yes, I'm not sure I should actually take your $20 because that's literally what my book is opened up to right now, you know. So that was kind of funny. Um, We had, I've been in, um, uh, you know, we have star sightings there. What was really funny was I have a friend um, who was, who was, I guess I can tell this. I have a friend who was dating someone who I didn't really recognize because I don't watch a lot of television or anything. Um, and so they came in and I had, I had, I had like three groups of friends there um, who were not just regulars, but actual friends who, you know, I've had dinner with or whatever, I don't know. Anyway, um, they're all, the, and I waved to my friend who comes in with his, you know, his new date and, uh, and they go, and then all of a sudden there's like this, I see people taking pictures and I'm like, what the, what, 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 what? And I finish my shift and I go over and I say hi to my friend. He says, um, this is Andrew. And I said, hi, Andrew, and we met. And it turned out it was Andrew Scott, who is, um, who plays um, Moriarty in Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock, right? And so now I'm talking to them. And then I have other friends who are like, who, you know and i go over talk and they're like you know andrew scott i'm like no i don't know andrew scott i mean you know (laughs) know? (laughs) but but i guess i know him more than you know him so then i ended up you know introducing him and they're doing selfies and whatever he was very sweet he's a very nice guy he's been in a few times and that's kind of funny because he comes in to hear me which is flattering and funny because you know i'm not the best pianist there um the truth is that marie's you know we're all at least competent musicians, I would say, but um, but there's something beyond playing the piano that makes you a good person to be at Marie's. You need you need to you know be able to like talk to people and make them laugh and maybe make them cry just because you can tell a good story that sort of thing. As you can tell, I like to talk, so um, you know, so it's a it's a nice it's a good job for me. You know, it's like it's a good fit. I love there have been many. Um, <laughs> uh, well, for me,
2: uh, um, let's see, there was one night where Celeste Holm came in. Celeste Holm was a big Broadway star. Um, and she was, I think she was like 88 years old at the time. I was right before, maybe a year before she died. But uh, for me to be able to play some of her shows that she was in and watch her face, and she was just elated, it meant so much for her to be able to relive her past and see that the younger generation is still uh cherishing her music, um but you know Maurice does bring a celebrity crowd. There was another night where Lady Gaga came in, mm-hmm. and um what she first what first came in is a group of men that created this barrier. They set up these chairs and they all sat in them and then somebody brought her in and brought her behind the barrier sort of up on this table Hours, but um you couldn't approach her because she was kind of protected by this barrier of men that <laughs> yeah, it was, it was politely done. It wasn't, it was just because she wanted to come and support the music community. Um, but there were just so many, uh, so many wonderful people that come in. Um, and uh, like kubu Gooding Jr. is a regular uh, there. He's a fine actor. And he also is like one of our locals. He just embraces the place. And he, he is like, He's like you or me, just a normal, average guy, you know, and he embraces everybody and, you know, says, you know, just, he's taking pictures. He's, he's, you feel like um, he's just one of of the guys, you know, and and he loves the music there. Um, Carly Simon came in, who's a wonderful uh, pop star and um, just, um, you know, it's been amazing, you know, to be able to perform the music and see them just becoming regular people and that's that's what happens in marie's you could have superstars and they just want to be regular people for a little while and just sing along and have a good time um i i do have another if you want me to continue but i do have one one little story that was that was a memorable one but it was kind of a little bit uh (laughs) you you can edit it out if you choose but so one one night a homeless man came in and he was trying to to um to bring uh to to get money from everybody he kept asking for money and the bartender had to say please you know uh, you you can't stay here and he came back in again and did it again and again and again so finally the bartender had to get a little forceful not much but just aggressive with him and it was a hot summer night by the way the uh, fan was blowing in the window and we just couldn't keep the the air circulating it up in there at the time so the um the, uh, the homeless man got the best of us. We had a whole room of people, it as it was jam-packed you couldn't move. And he went over to the window and he, <laughs> he urinated in the fan, <laughs> and it went all over the room. I mean, it was just you know, I'm just sitting there playing. All of a sudden, everyone's screaming and running into the corner. And as embarrassing as it is to tell that story, it was a memorable one. And. Uh, it was just uh i have to admit that the homeless man got the best of all of us uh,
7: well anytime one of our friends or one of our close friends has a birthday it's pretty cool yeah Uh, steve always uh orders insomnia cookies for me which is pretty (laughs) cool uh let's see what else i always like to do a few special events every year So one of the things that I'll do is host uh, Hocus Pocus Night in October and we read through the Um. script and we all do the songs, that's really fun. And then I also always do a, a Judy Garland Christmas show where the original Judy Garland show that was on TV has a Christmas episode, that's an hour. And so we do the songs from that and we even read the old commercials and we do the ads together. Uh, That always happens every Christmas. Let's try to think of other fun times. Um, We had a really uh, crazy night that we celebrated some of the Tony Awards in 1996 and 1997. And oh. we, only d- we only did shows from those two years, and that was a really fun night. I mean, obviously, what? when any of the famous celebrities come, that's always pretty special. Pretty much it. Some uh, other memorable yeah. nights have been nights where the piano was broken, and oh. it's, come, it's come undone, and we have to fix it in the middle of the shift, or we have to stop and figure out a different plan. Like, one night, I we broke a string and the pedal on the piano, so I had to stop in the middle of the shift... Get down on my hands and knees and fix it. People brought me, um, people brought me, uh, tools, and we were like unscrewing
5: things in the piano all the way to get it fixed. That was pretty crazy.
8: Oh.
5: it's funny that you asked that because I just saw this clip yesterday. One of my most memorable nights was—I um, knew it was going to happen ahead of time because I was working with a Broadway producer named Scott Sanders and uh, he, I was helping him coordinate some promo stuff for The Color Purple, the musical. And long before anybody knew who Cynthia Erivo was um, and Daniel Brooks, uh, they came in. And it, 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 I had set up, along with Randy, our manager, that they were going to come in on a Friday during my shift, and they were going to sing... Um, a song, and it was going to be Cynthia Arrivo, Jennifer Hudson, and Danielle Brooks. Oh. And Jennifer Hudson was not was not feeling too well. She was a little under the weather. She was concerned about the show, so um, Jennifer didn't come. And this was before the show had opened, they were in rehearsal. Um, but Cynthia Arrivo did come, and there's a YouTube clip floating around of me playing "I Can Do Better Than That" for her at the piano, oh. and Daniel... Danielle Brooks also sang a song and that's my most memorable night because it was amazing. And it was, but the show hadn't opened yet. And so then the show opened and they got rave reviews and then Cynthia won the Tony award. So that was amazing. Uh,
4: I think one of my favorites is something that everybody can actually see on YouTube. Um, so I don't think I'm giving away any secrets here. It was a night when Darren, Chris and Lea Salonga came in, um, and again, you could totally see the entire thing on YouTube. Darren and Chris got the piano, played on my own. Or this part I forget. It may have been our piano player that night who played on my own for Leia Salonga and she sang. And I stood right behind her, well, you know, like two feet away from Leia Salonga, she sang on my own. It was pretty incredible. And um then after that, Darren and Chris I know went behind the piano and they did a whole new world together. And uh That was a really cool night. It was a really cool night. Um, Probably one of my favorite nights, absolutely. Especially since there is, like, evidence.
0: (laughs) So So describe a typical shift for you at Maurice.
3: Well, I have the early shift normally. uh, So the happy hour shift that goes from 5.30 to 9.30. So when I get there at 5.30, normally it's pretty empty. So I use that as a chance to... uh, to warm up by playing through the most recent additions to my sheet music collection. Um, Like most of the pianists at Maurice, I play from a tablet. So I usually play through the most recent songs I've added to my tablet. Um, Usually the ones from golden age composers like Harold Arlen or Vernon Duke because their songs sound better on the piano um, as opposed to some of the more modern. Uh, more guitar pop-based songs, which don't sound um, as jazzy if you just play them as a piano solo. So uh, after that, you know, people drift in, and then, um, and then if I have a theme for the shift, we'll play some songs based on that theme. So themes might be like someone's birthday or, or some Broadway figure who passed away or a holiday or Broadway news or something. And then it gets very chatty and uh, one song leads to another and songs kind of grow naturally out of the conversations. People say, oh, that reminds me of this song and blah, blah, blah. So after a few hours of that, it gets pretty crowded. And then I play more group numbers and then towards the end of my shift uh dougie the bartender sings a solo and passes the bowl and then it's goodbye until next week
4: yes well typically um i only work happy hours uh well you know i fill in at night sometime with a it, but my regular shifts are all happy hours which i i really like the happy hour shifts the best uh personally because you really get a lot of regulars coming back and you know so you really make a lot of friends. And of course, you know, we both have tons of friends at Marie's now, right? Um, so, you know, for me, I, since I opened the bar, it's a little different, you know, than, uh, the other people just because I come in and I set everything up, you know, I go up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down the stairs, uh, bringing up ice and making sure the bar stopped with everything. And then I Uh, you don't have to count out the bank and then go to the grocery store, which usually involves buying orange juice or limes and you know just little other odds and ends that we might not have. Um, And then uh, then I open up the bar and then usually the piano player comes in and it's quiet for a little bit and uh, you know so sometimes I'll just go sit at the piano and hang out and sing until you know people really start pouring in and then uh, yeah then I get to pouring and that's That's how it goes. And then everybody uh, by nine o'clock when I leave, it's rocking and rolling and the place is usually packed and the rafters are shaking.
0: One of the many non-pianist roles at Marie's is the social media manager, and we have the social media manager, Maddie McCluskey, with us to tell us about that. So what is it like to do this job at Marie's?
6: So in managing the social media for Marie's group, because it's not a paid job, I'm perhaps not doing as in-depth of work as I would be doing mm. if it were uh, a, a, a quote-unquote real position but essentially what I'm doing is every night has a different team of employees that put out content and I check in with every team about like just checking in on their schedule making sure that the information that I will be putting out to the community is correct uh, I always make sure that there is a scheduling post that goes up on the group page at the, around the same time every day, as well as on our Twitter account. And even though most posts share similar information, they have to be formatted differently for different accounts, just because the way you use Facebook is different from the way you use Twitter. And uh, also uh, something that we did that I was really proud of was I coordinated at the beginning of June with the staff Uh, when when protests were starting in the city and all over the country, I wanted to make sure that we were using our platform. We have about 30,000 followers on the Facebook page. So I wanted to give those folks a list of organizations, mutual aid funds, bailout funds, uh, and other uh, initiatives that they could support with their money or their advocacy. So I went around to the whole staff and gathered uh, information and created just this kind of living document uh, to provide to our following.
0: And now we're going to hear a little something from every member of the Marie's Crisis staff about how they reacted to the news that Marie's was going online.
7: I wasn't really terribly excited about going online. I thought it would be pretty hard to recreate something that was so special and so communal but it's been really cool to see people embrace it and to enjoy the live stream so i i I was pretty skeptical if i thought it would work but we found a way that people still feel connected and are still singing the songs they love and things that are important to
6: them uh i was part of our first on completely online night actually The last couple nights we were open, uh, a couple of the pianists brought in their computers and live streamed from the brick and mortar space. And then when it was imminent that we were going to be shut down, I said, well, what if we brought Marie's Crisis to people online through our Facebook group? Just like as a cute thing for the regulars maybe. And it was a Monday, so it was my night and we were just off to the races.
3: Well, at first I was a little freaked out because um, because it was kind of, it was a surprise. It all happened very suddenly. Um, the, the first online shift was actually mine. It was my Monday happy hour shift on March 18th. And I only found out about it um, earlier that afternoon that Marie's would be closed that day uh, because de Blasio had decided to close the bars kind of hurriedly. Um, and I was a little freaked out because I actually had not been on social media at all at that point. So I had to really uh, try to join Instagram and Facebook. And in fact, it took me a few days to figure out how to join Facebook. So that first shift was just Instagram. But, but even just Instagram and it being all very last minute, uh, it was really surprising how many people tuned in for that
1: first one. Um, well, it, you know it's not like there was a choice really. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I get everyone was given the option to participate or not participate. we all just kind of made it as a collective group. It's very much sort of a, you know, a co-op that way. Uh, Oh, I I thought it was
4: an amazing idea. I thought it was a great opportunity. And I think I'm glad that it's still really going on because it's keeping, you know, the community kind of together and it's giving everybody a chance to, you know, even, (laughs) over the internet to get out of their houses and to gather with their friends and to kind of do what we do and to keep that going. And I'm really, really proud of the fact that our staff has done such a great job of keeping that going, they've done such a great job.
2: So uh, I play Sunday nights uh, at Marie's, but I also play across the street at a place called The Monster. So it's a double shift for me in a sense. As soon as I leave the piano at The Monster, I go over to Marie's. And the first inclination that I had about, um, about this whole online situation was that when I was at the monster, uh, I tried going online on my own. I used my little Facebook live phone and people weren't coming in because they were fearing the pandemic. You know, this is the beginning stages of it. So when I went over to Marie's, I could not believe there was not a single person in the place on this uh, first Sunday night before we closed. Um, So some of the people from the monster came over with me. So we had, you know, three or four, that followed me over at that point. And uh, we said, let's go live. And we did go live uh, that night, but this was just on our own. And um, people were, were interacting with me online, which was really a nice thing. Now, I had nothing to do with, with creating this online idea with Marie's, but I had already experienced it on my own, which I thought was great. So when, when it was brought to my attention that we were going to now continue our shifts online, it was uh, i was like well, wow, this is a great idea and my first uh, sunday i was down in uh, florida because i had left to go down to florida for 3 months uh didn't know i was going to go that long but i ended up staying for 3 months and um and the response was unbelievable the fir- the first week people were so grateful that we were continuing this music um and that that first week was was just a wonderful moment for all of us, uh, and since then it, it's carried on. It's it's actually grown in uh, in many ways, and uh, the audience has grown, and uh, it's just a chance for people to to stay in touch with uh, with our family because Maurice crisis is a family, and also to um, to get a little relaxation, a little break.
0: Have you encountered technical issues while? playing online?
6: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I I, I feel like we all kind of jumped in with both feet and everybody has a varying amount of technology at their disposal. And I was like beholden to a microphone on a 2015 laptop before realizing like, oh, you know, actually a phone mic might be better, or just all of these different uh, things about editing sound specifically, or just all the space that all my videos are taking up, having to like clean out that space and be really organized about my computer and phone has been a new
5: experience for me. Well, the internet going down is one. Um, I've also been traveling uh, for family reasons during this, so I've been trying to find um, uh, people who allowed me to use their keyboards or I was just in California last week and um, I went to my old theater that I grew up in my old community theater uh, because they're not doing shows and I asked the artistic director if I if he wouldn't mind me using the space and he was very kind and very nice and he set up a keyboard for me but the theater doesn't have internet so <laughs> so we were my friends and I were using my phone to try to record it but um that would be the most challenging is is if you're out and about or anybody who like went away I don't know Drew went away too um to have to borrow other people's things in order to do the job is difficult.
0: So have you enjoyed singing by yourself or do you miss singing with the group?
4: Um, I, yeah, I like singing by myself. Uh, in fact, usually you can't get me to shut up, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, I love singing. I love singing in general, honestly. It really, truly is one of my favorite things, um, and it always has been. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to carry a tune, and I'm grateful for
1: that.
8: <laughs> well,
1: you know, what else? I'll tell you a story so when i was in high school i was always well all through school i was involved in you know shows and acting and i thought i wanted to be an actor for a long time and then then i found music i guess you could say and uh and and i can remember i was cast in a show in my uh, uh, my junior year of high school i had a role and it had a song and the first time we got and you know i was at rehearsals we were doing whatever the first time we got with an orchestra Um, and the conductor said, um, you'll get your note from the bass." I'm like, okay. And at this point, you have to understand, Charles, I only had three years of piano lessons in my life. That is, that is my knowledge. Seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, right? And so, um, so I'm like, okay. And at that point, I wasn't being a pianist. Like, I just played in my house for friends. I didn't. I wasn't music I was never very musical which is just ironic right and so and the whole and the whole first course of this song is sung just to a drum beat and then the orchestra sneaks in right and so that isn't how I ever were like I never had to sing it a cappella like I should have been taught how to sing it a cappella as opposed to in all the rehearsals that I had where someone was playing the melody line or whatever right yeah. but anyway this face goes, and I went, and he's like, conducting subject, is no, 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 two octaves up, I'm like, oh, okay, right, and so, so we work through that, and then I start singing, and I sing the whole first chorus, and the orchestra comes in, and they're in totally different key than I'm in, right, and the music teachers coming down one aisle and the drama teachers coming down the other aisle. And the, I don't remember who was shouting to who, but one was shouting, maybe he can talk the song. Right. So that was sort of my introduction to having to sing. Um, my parents always told me I sounded like Alfalfa from the little rascals, which is probably a reference you won't know, but believe me, it wasn't pretty. Um, so, At some point later in my life i i worked with a voice coach uh who's helped a lot i think and i enjoy singing um i just was never good at it well uh, we always
7: i always encourage the group singing so that was something that i always was doing anyway so i i just sort of committed to having to do it alone and then part of the bonus of being with my friends in Michigan was that I had people to sing with me, so it wasn't even that, it wasn't that different, they could sing and could do the harmony parts and do duets, and that was the really fun part of the last six months with them, was sharing it with them, I mean, I've been doing it by myself now for about six weeks or so Um, and I did a few weeks there by myself where we weren't together but, yeah, I mean, it wasn't um, it was pretty easy to start singing and to want to do that because that was part of my normal plan on Wednesdays.
6: Yeah. I, I, I miss singing together with people. I think that's what makes Marie's crisis so special. I mean, of course, um, I'm the New York city transplant performer type through and through. I I love singing by myself, but One of the most joyful feelings is singing with a group of people, and it's something I miss a lot.
0: Another unique role at Marie's is the publicity coordinator, a role that is now filled by pianist Kenny M. Green. Kenny manages all requests for publicity from Marie's, whether it's the Broadway World series that he does every week, or even this podcast. So to hear about all of that, let's talk to Kenny, and then to hear about this same thing from a pianist perspective, James Uh
5: I'm sort of daunted with the task of um, press rep- press representative. So um, basically if anyone wants to hire Marie's to do anything or ask Marie's to participate in anything, I, I sort of, my, the way that I work it out is I, I definitely don't say yes to everything right away. I, I vet it and I make sure that um, I do some research on the company or the person first. Um, I really pinpoint with them as many questions as I can to find out exactly what it is that they want. And then I bring it to the Marie's group and let them know what, uh, what someone is asking us to do. And, um, and then between the, between the Marie's group discussing and Randy, cause he's in charge, he's our manager. Um, if Randy says it's a good idea, then I go back and start negotiating with them. Um, the, how it's gonna work out not monetarily, but more so like what it is they want us to do, if Randy says no, I have no problems telling them that we can't do it. <laughs> I started doing the Broadway World events because they uh came to me actually and and wanted to know how I could create an hour long show with them um, and and after they asked um i went to um, our manager, Randy, and Maddie McCloskey, who is in charge of social media. Um, I didn't want it to just be me by myself because um, I felt like that was unfair to the group. So I asked them what, was, what would be the best way. And we came up with an idea that if I hosted, if I hosted an hour long thing and highlighted a piano player every week, that would be easy and it would be fair. Um, and, and that it's not just me by myself every Friday. Um, so we tried that and we circled through everybody. Um, some people liked it. Some people did not. Um, <laughs> some, some people had a problem that it wasn't them who was asked. Uh, but, uh, I I think that it it played fairly well, and and Broadway World in turn has been very kind and has run a lot of press on us, which is wonderful.
1: But I have been in. We did a Buffy uh, the Vampire musical, right? Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical number. I was in that, and we did a, um, a tribute to uh, to Mark, who was on the waitstaff there, who uh, who we lost early in this whole thing. And, uh, yeah, and I'm, you know, uh, and we did the, we did the, uh, we did, uh, I am what I am for pride and, uh, you know, and so I, you know, again, I'm not so much a performer at this point in my life. I mean, so, uh, and I, you know, look, I'm like the old guy at Marie's, right? So I'm sure they go like, oh, should we ask the old guy? Oh, okay. We'll ask. Him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so when they ask, I do. And uh, generally, except for Mother's Day, Um, (laughs) but the uh, but it's it's uh, it's uh, um, you know those have been fun actually you know.
0: So what are some unusual requests that you've had?
7: Well, one of my friends Wayne, who's a regular at the bar, this isn't necessarily unusual. It's just funny to me. Um, (laughs) He loves Patty LaPone, and so do I. But he loves a show called War Paint that came out a few years ago. And and I didn't really like War Paint, and so we have this running mm-hmm. joke of almost every time he comes into the bar or that he requests something online, I always, I always say, no War Paint! <laughs> um, but he does that every time, and that's our friend Wayne Casimir, and his name mm-hmm. is C-A-S-I-M-I-R. Uh, let me see. Other funny requests oh i get requests to do um like uh different styles on songs Um. so some so sometimes people are like do that as a disco or do that (laughs) as a country western tune or do that as a tango or uh stuff like that And i always think that's pretty funny uh and pretty pretty random (laughs) Uh, there's a really rare song that um howard ashman and um alan Mencken wrote um mm-hmm. that is um oh gosh it's called something square sheridan square it's called mm-hmm. sheridan square and that's been asked for which is pretty rare to get something like that um oh.
0: So what are some of your favorite songs to play?
1: My favorite songs to play? Okay. I I have a few that, um, that I like a lot. Um, the first favorite song I had to play was Another Hundred People from Company. Um, and part of that is when I was, you know, Company came out when I was young, you know. Um, uh, and I worked, A lot back then on like the finger you know here's the thing at Maurice you can sort of get away with playing chords and you know and you play kind of like this right but i prefer playing as close to the accompaniment as i can get to you know i think it just you know there are certain little musical phrases that happen in broadway orchestrations that you kind of expect to hear you know and if you don't you can still sing the song songs are just chords but if there's that little cut you know color from an instrument that you're that you're expecting and you don't get it you go oh okay right and so um so i like to play i like to try and play accompaniments i sight read everything that's not me bragging that's actually me saying that's why i don't play that well because i'm literally just if someone makes a request i have like an ipad with you know four thousand musical theater songs in it and i and i just find it if I have it and I'll try and play it whether I ever even if i would never heard it before. And if so- uh, what I always say whenever people just
3: say this uh, or ask me what my favorite song is my shif- at my shift is just to say that I like surprises because because um, I like the challenge. I-, I like when my shift is a game and people say, oh, do you have this crazy song? And then if I have it, I feel great. And if I don't have it, I say, I'll learn it for you next time. But really, I like surprises.
0: So, so how much, if at all, do you sort of prepare what you're going to play before a shift?
2: I don't. I never, I, I would have to say virtually never. Um, I just walk in and just start. <laughs> you know, it's just whatever, whatever. I, I, I Actually, I have to back up for a minute. When I do walk in and I see some of the regulars and I sit down at that piano as I'm just like unpacking my bag, taking my coat off, whatever maybe, may be, I'll say, so what are some of the last shows that Adam played? So that I know not to play. So if they say, "Well, he just did some Le Miz and he did some Phantom and he did some Cats and you know whatever shows," then I'll avoid those shows. But otherwise, I'll just sit down and just go. You know, I, I like kind of, I like going on the fly like that. And and the whole room just, the the energy just kind of develops from from that moment. You know, if I choose a, a song, like sometimes, for example, I might choose doing a song songs from, let's just say, Godspell. And I can get a a sense of of, um, where the night's going to go at that moment. Because every time you choose a show to play a song from, you know, you you can tell who's listening and who's singing along. Well, this worked well, so let me go continue that way. But sometimes you have to say, well, let me pull back. Let me not do any more Godspell because nobody's singing. So let me go in a different direction. You know, you just have to keep going with the flow um one of the one of the techniques that that i guess i've kind of developed with that is i like to do um usually three songs from a show sort of put it into a medley format so um you know so it and the thing is if nobody reacts to the first song that i'm doing then i'll pull back and go to another show but if it goes, I'll do three, and if it's really going strong, sometimes I'll do four or five. You know, I'll continue with that show. But that's just sort of um, the way that I, the way that I, I do
5: things. You know, so oh, very little. <laughs> um, when we were in person, uh, when we were in person, my first twenty-five minutes was set. I knew what I was gonna play in my first 25 minutes. Um, um, you you kind of have to get control of the room back and you know, it's a different personality. So I need the crowd to know what my personality is. Like Drew and I are a good team together. And Drew, and we're the team on Wednesday nights and Drew has a totally different personality than I do. So in turn, he also has a different clientele than I do. Um, so I use 25 minutes to, we call it reset the room. Um, And then I open up the requests after 25 minutes, once people get ahead, uh, get an idea of what the room is. Uh, Online, it's been difficult because we've had to come up with themes. We've had to come up with (laughs) um, all sorts of gimmicks (laughs) to make it work.
0: So how often do you attend other pianist shifts, and do you have some favorites?
6: Uh, you know, it's interesting. It it ebbs and flows because I've been uh, staying with folks who um, are are not my normal like roommates or uh, family members. So I am I'm often beholden to other people's schedules, or if they're working from home. But I love I love getting to watch the shifts. And when I was uh, staying with Adam and Kenny, uh, Michael and I would go to their shifts in person at the Depot Theater in the Adirondacks, which was really fun. And it felt a little bit like being home at Marie's. Yeah, I, I love all the pianists. I always especially try to hype up my Monday night team. So Alex Borilski, as well as Toby Russell Medlin and Brandon James Gwynn.
0: So how have you sort of managed to find a space in your home?
2: Here, where I am now, This is this is New York. <laughs> <laughs> and space is a commodity, and uh, and I, I have limits. Plus, I don't have a grand piano. I I use my uh, my Yamaha Clavinova, which is a wonderful piano, but it's just a you know, digital piano, and you can pick it up practically and carry it. You know, I can move it around my apartment a little, but there are limits as to to uh, what we want people to see. I mean, we still have to live in our apartment, so we don't want you to see our dirty laundry and our dirty dishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it is kind of funny, like that uh, I'll talk to people and I'll, on a Sunday, a particular Sunday, people say, Hey, you know, we wanna, you want to come out and meet us at the park. We're going to uh, have a barbecue. Let's just say so I, I can't, I have to go home and wash my dishes and, and, and straighten up my apartment because I have to go live on Facebook, you know, cause I don't want people to see <laughs> CMS, you know, you know how that goes. I mean, so uh, it 's important that I make sure, and you know i 'll set the camera angle up to make sure that you can 't see <laughs> what i don 't want you to see once in a while. I make a mistake
3: <laughs> <laughs> it 's funny um when uh, when I got this apartment um it has my apartment has uh a raised section to the living room. It's about a foot and a half up, so there's a miniature stage in the living room. So that's what attracted me to this apartment in the first place. I said I have to have this apartment because it has a miniature stage in it. So naturally, I have my piano on the miniature stage, and um, and of course, the big the big thing that people do uh, on Zoom is to have a, a, a lot of a bookshelf, right? So they like to pose in front of a bookshelf. Um, my bookshelf is mostly full of records, but it's also full of sheet music and some Broadway books. So that turned out pretty well because people can look at the spines of my Broadway books um, and I can, you know, pull a record out of the collection if I have to illustrate a point. Like the one that's sitting on the floor right now is, uh, is this one. Uh, the Ferrer's Rosemary Clooney and Jose Ferrer sing selections from the Broadway musical Oh Captain. Because Jose Ferrer had um had directed O Captain.
0: So finally, how do you see a way for Marie's to come back?
2: Oh my word, I have no idea. Lot- well, um Marie's won't be any different than any other uh venue in which we're allowed to uh, to be indoors again. Uh but I do think that it's it's going to be a, a slow progression. I don't think that uh we're gonna wake up one morning and the mayor or the governor is going to say, all right, everybody, back to your lives and go live your lives. No, it's gonna be a slow progression. They're gonna give us a percentage of occupancy. Uh, That's gonna be very strange. And I think that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to hybrid both online, still do Facebook online while we're at Marie's. And so that, um, let's just say we're able to have 20 people inside of Marie's. it's it's not going to have the same energy it's going to be you know uh, it's going to be difficult um but at the same time some people can still stay at home you know if you can only have 20 people and people want to come there's going to be a line down the street to get in then too um so if if we are allowed that small amount of people at least people can tune in i envision people online outside of marie's as this grows watching on facebook live what's going on inside as they're waiting to go in you know and um They'll say, oh, I want to get in there. It's uh, going to be another 20 minutes or half hour before I get to the front of the line. But, um, but they'll still be participating outside. I,
8: yeah,
2: I, I think once, of course, things set up, the better, uh, we can, our lives won't go back to normal right away, but I think it'll, it'll, it'll eventually get there.
4: And I think it'll come even stronger probably than it was before, but I think it's going to take time. Um, Unfortunately, the fact that we are a uh, very, you know, poorly ventilated <laughs> bar in a basement um, that gets very tightly crowded, you know, with people singing—it's—it's it's kind of just like the perfect storm of everything you don't want to be in the middle of, uh, you know, an airborne pandemic. You know, like, singing, uh, you know, next to somebody is basically spitting in their face, you know, in a very loving way. Uh, But uh, it's not exactly conducive to this whole environment. So I think it's going to take time, maybe when we have a vaccine and all that, but I do absolutely believe Maurice will be back and better, stronger than ever. (sighs) You know, I
3: tried to be, optimistic at first, but now we just don't have any clarity. So I just tell myself that, you know, this is war. And after a war, you have to rebuild. So it may take Marie's years to rebuild, but I will certainly give it my all because I think Marie's is so important. So eventually Marie's will come back. Um, Obviously, it's going to depend on on the state of the coronavirus and um, and treatments for the coronavirus. But uh, but I, I definitely think that people will rush back when it's open.
1: Because at some point someone's like, can we just like, sell hot dogs? And, <laughs> you know, because there's a rule now, like if you sell food, you can like, I guess it's, uh, I I say I'm going to say it all wrong because I don't know, but evidently, if three businesses on a street like, the, uh, like Grove Street agree, to be open on the street then the city will actually close the street and you can like you know but you have to sell food and um you know and so someone floated the idea i actually have a hot dog steamer downstairs that'll steam 12 hot dogs and 12 buns at a time um and so i said i'd offer that right um you know we i think we were mainly being funny although who knows let's see what time brings Uh, you know and and you know the pianists and singers who work at Marie's um as a collective still aren't Marie's you know there is an owner of Marie's who's been you know uh who's been you know in in touch with certain people but relatively hands off with this whole thing that we're doing here and so at the end of the day it's going to be his decision about how how it opens and when it opens and what can happen and I think you know at last check-in he's waiting till businesses can be open indoors and even if that means that we're open for just you know five people at a time or something and we cycle people through I don't know I, I don't know I mean you know um I imagine we'll be in you know face shields and masks and things so you know I have a friend um and you can just cut me off whenever you want but i have a friend who was just interviewed for good morning america um oh. who runs the lincoln community playhouse in lincoln nebraska and they're doing and there were there were scenes of this they're doing parking lot theater so like you stay in your car essentially and uh, and he said one of the things they did was like an old fashioned melodrama where you would like boo at the villains right instead of booing people are like honking their horns like and um and all the performers they're in full costume but they have like those big face masks on but you can still sort of see their like face shields like they don't have masks but they have full face shields on so you can actually sort of see their faces and stuff and you still know it's your friends up there and whatever and it looked kind of neat like you know i hope it you know i hope nothing uh bad comes from it but uh but it seemed like they're being very cool about how they're keeping everyone at a distance in their cars or you can be like right outside your like every car has a little area where you could bring a lawn chair if you want to do that or whatnot but um but so i don't know i don't know what the future is going to look like because i'm not sure you know uh, i mean i think it'll look different and i and i'm not certain uh what that is yet because I'm not sure anyone quite knows what that is, you know, and so all we can do is kind of do, you know, do what we are able to do as we, you know, as it happens, and then see what tomorrow brings. And if tomorrow brings something that means we can do a little more, whether that's from home or whether that's outside or whether that's, you know, whatever, um, I guess that's, you know, that's what we do. I, um, You know, they say come back and play. uh, Assuming we feel safe, I think that's what we'll do.
0: Thank you so much to all the wonderful staff of Marie's for being so kind as to share their expertise with us today. I hope that this episode has inspired you to watch these shifts online. They are available on Facebook under the Marie's group or on Instagram on the pianist's individual pages. Thank you for tuning in.